0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m., where we discuss and dissect the
1: supernatural.
0: What's the scariest thing you've encountered?
1: Welcome to the 3am podcast. My name is DJ. My name is
2: Charlie. My name is Sean.
1: A bunch of friends telling scary stories, trying to make each other laugh too.
2: Which doesn't always work. But. <laughs> <laughs> On both fronts.
0: <laughs> Bro, you got lost right there. <laughs> you didn't know where to go. <laughs> oh. Guys, how are you doing? Good. So good. Did y'all see Murder Among Mormons?
1: Did I have an episode left. Have you? No. You finished it. Yeah. So we're all in different places. I think yeah. I watched all of it the day it came out. It's <laughs> so like, oh, I got to I got to see this. Yeah, I started the third episode and then I fell asleep. Do you know how it ends? I do.
0: Yeah. My favorite murder covered this guy once, really, really? Mark Hoffman.
1: It's crazy. It's it's wild how everything all of that happened in Salt Lake City, but some of my coworkers who were who were born and raised here in Utah, my girlfriend born and raised here in Utah, none of them had any idea of any of that. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: My mom said, oh, yeah, I remember them when that was going on on the news. Like yeah, She remembers yeah. it, but she's older than than our generation. I think, yeah, it was like kind of quickly forgotten. Well, all of their parents, my
1: coworkers and my girlfriend, talked about how they remember that too. Yeah, just our age. like age. They just submitted that information.
0: Just to, okay, so to do you know anything about Mark Hoffman? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for our listeners, if you want to go watch it, it's on Netflix right now. But it was like trending
1: like number two on Netflix. Yeah, a week ago. I don't know where it's at now, but
0: yeah. There's this Mormon dude who became really famous for finding and discovering super rare artifacts or like documents. Right. Starts making a ton of money. He's selling them to like
1: museums, government collectors. The church is
0: buying it too because they want to
2: retain that retain
0: the history you know and he starts finding artifacts that have a lot of worth in the mormon culture so the mormon church starts buying them it starts ramping up and the things he's finding is crazier and crazier there's something he finds that like proves mormons like started because uh there was a white salamander that led joseph smith up this river which i never knew and on my mission all the time everyone be like yo you guys worship lizards I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> no, we don't, dog. I know what we worship. <laughs> it's
1: it's not, not lizards, bro. That was the same as me in high school. I remember somebody came to me and he was he was a homie, but his brother, I guess, was anti-Mormon. He was like, Yeah, my brother, I was talking to to him about you, and I brought up that you're a Mormon, and he went off this whole rant about how your Book of Mormon came from a hat. <laughs> I was like, "What? Well, I've never heard that in my life. I know my I know
0: my religion." <laughs> yeah. It's fun when someone tells you what you believe. Yeah, like you believe this. I was like, "Actually, it's, it's even more fun when it's true." You <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> yeah. If anyone wants, like a quick if you're not a member and you listen to this podcast, just go watch the South Park episode. They'll fill you in real quick. Yeah. The but these things he's finding are getting crazier and crazier. And then he says, "I've found the biggest artifact." Ever and it's gonna change everything in the Mormon religion. Word gets out, collectors get involved, church is like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna drop some coin on that son. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, hey, get us that artifact, get us that artifact. And then a bomb goes off downtown Salt Lake, kills someone. Then a bomb goes off in a suburb near Salt Lake, kills a woman. And the two people it kills are like tied to this deal that's going down. Long story short, Mark Hoffman has been counterfeiting most of his stuff. And his counterfeits are so good, they sent it to the FBI. And the FBI stamp of approval was like, nah, this is authentic. (laughs) Like, he was going to sell something to the U.S. government. They were going to put it at the base of the Statue of Liberty because they authenticated it. They said it's real. So he's tricking everybody. But this thing that he pitched to the church that was the biggest find ever he like didn't have enough time to make it so like a true sociopath he was instead of having his cover be blown he thought oh i'll just kill all my partners involved and then the like the focus will be off me so he makes a bomb drops it off at his homie's office kills him makes another bomb put it puts it at his other homie it's supposed to kill the guy of the house not the not the lady and they interviewed him and they were like well What was your plan like? That was really dumb. Anyone could have grabbed that. And he's like, oh, I didn't care who grabbed it. It could have been a mailman. It could have been a child. I didn't care. I just wanted to create like pandemonium. Like a true sociopath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's interesting to me, I was watching this. And if you're not a Mormon, you're not really familiar with the story of Joseph Smith. So I won't go into it too much. But the basics are at age 14, Joseph Smith discovers the golden plates, transcribes that, and creates the Book of Mormon. And we believe it to be the true word of God. Okay. Hoffman, he gets caught and he's like, instead of killing me, will you guys just uh, like study me? I'll tell you everything. You know what I mean? Because the death penalty is still in Utah. Oh, yeah. Do you guys know how they do the death penalty in Utah? Firing squad. Firing squad. And it was used like 14 years ago or something. (laughs) Last time it was used. They line you up and shoot you. I was like, <laughs> someone told me that. I was like, no, no, no. That must be like 18, 20, not 19. You're not 20, 20. You know what I'm saying? And they are like, no, dude, that still goes here. <laughs> I had no idea. That's crazy. Anyway, he's like, study me. I'll tell you everything. And come to find out, he became an atheist at age 14. Something happened. When he was 14 years old, he built a homemade lie detector test that would measure his heartbeat and things like that. And he would hook himself up to it. And practice on how to deceive it. And then he spends his entire life counterfeiting documents and like spreading lies. So to me, I was like, it was almost like a parallel story, but the opposite of like Joe Smith. You know what I'm Uh, saying? Yeah. Hmm. I think a transfer of knowledge took place between him and Lucifer, but this is just my. (laughs) (laughs) But dude, they throw him into jail and immediately he starts like trying to con his way out, manipulate people promise him money, he gets in trouble because he hires a hit on someone. I don't know. Just what, while, It's man. while
1: his wife is in the documentary uh huh talking the whole time about it's sad. her her point of view. Um is the firing squad still a thing nowadays? Uh can they enable I don't that? know.
2: I don't know. I don't know if currently, but the last time apparently it was used was twenty ten.
1: <sighs> it's about time. <laughs> uh isn't it about, isn't it about time? <laughs> clack, clack, clack. <laughs> um that's honestly the best way to go out with the death penalty. Probably. Do you think? Just I think shot. so. Dude, so quick, I'm not l- lying there and getting juiced up or in an electric chair or hanged.
2: Dude, an electric chair is wild. I like, think about that. It's like today's version of a warrior's death too. <laughs> like you going out by getting shot.
1: Yeah, exactly. Dude, you're going out by Call of Duty Kill Street.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs>
1: It's so funny because you're you're supposed to be the one with the kill streak.
0: <laughs> you get in kill you streak. Get, <laughs> you get streak. You kill
1: multiple people, then you get the kill streak.
0: Do they like, what if they're not a good aim and they just clip you in the arm? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're like, oh, one child. I, okay,
1: I know a lot about this. so uh, Please tell me. Apparently, it's a line of people and only one person has a bullet. I've, the rest are blanks. Is that true?
0: They do it is because like. You don't know if it was you that actually killed him. Like, everyone. It could have been anyone on the line. So, it's yeah. like, all right, we all did this, right? Okay.
1: <laughs> I think it's also
0: for the shooters. That's what I mean. okay. Okay. It's like, if we were all standing and pointing, it's like, we don't really know which one of us did it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Except if I'm on, like, on the right side and his left eye or right eye gets shot. All you got to do, it's do like,
2: is well, I know it's not run me. ballistics on the weapon. You know exactly who <laughs> oh shot <my> it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: There's a photo of like a, I'm going to butcher this. I think it's an English soldier who's like facing a Russian or or German's firing squad. And he's just smiling, like staring
2: at him. I think I've seen that,
0: yeah. Like staring him down. I was like, damn, that's some energy right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's how I'm going out. Laughing. <laughs> Maniacally.
2: Please.
0: That's me. Please. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ablo, please. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. So Bubba looked up firing squads, and apparently the last time they used it was 2010, but they abolished it, right? But, But. (laughs) uno, reverse, reverse, they brought it back in 2015, is that correct? Yes, but they haven't used it. But they haven't used it, but But they got it, so don't be trying no sh in Utah. They use five marksmen, and they
2: only load one real bullet. So one of them is still a murderer, though. Bro, Russia. We're bringing up for Sean. Priests air bomb Russian city with holy water to stop all the drinking and fornication. <laughs> that makes sense. That would, why wouldn't that work?
1: I mean, probably because of the fact if you zoom in, you can see that they're using <laughs> Nestle
0: Nestle water.
2: And <laughs> they just blessed it. Before sending it off the plane, so
0: this is real. There's a priest in Russia just flew over Russian towns and sprinkled them with holy water, they're trying to <laughs> remedy the problem. I mean, if we're going to be honest, if anyone needs it, <laughs> I'm just say- I'm just saying too much <laughs> drinking kidding. and fornication. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they're not known for sobriety, you know what I saying? <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding. Shout out my Russians.
2: Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> So, did you know that right now Vegas odds has minus two hundred and twenty for King Kong to beat Godzilla right now?
1: Dude, that's <laughs> blasphemy. That's Is absolutely it?
0: blasphemy. Okay, what what team are you guys? What what what's the specificity of the team? Like, do you like them more, or do you think who they're are gonna you gonna rooting win? for in the fight? Team Kong versus Team Godzilla. First of all, I we're just want to say, say this is the dumbest thing in the world, but I am very passionate about this. <laughs> Bro, I grew I don't up think like, anyone questions if this is a dumb <laughs> thing. <laughs> so.
2: Or that we're all passionate about it.
0: <laughs> I grew up loving both. I would say I lean towards Godzilla. I have a special place really? in my heart. He took out half my ancestors. I was going to say, that's strange
1: to <laughs> vouch for somebody who destroyed your
0: hometown. Kojira. Right. <laughs> yeah. <God, you're> right. <laughs> Kojira. But let's be honest. Godzilla's like that's like Germans rooting for Hitler. <laughs> I mean, they did. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At one point, they definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> God, okay, Godzilla's like a 500 foot tall lizard who can breathe lightning. Dude, he is a radioactive dinosaur. Yeah, versus a monkey who's like 30 feet high. How big? He's is, definitely bigger than 30 feet, though. I don't know. He gets bigger with every
2: every sequel
1: CGI <laughs> update. <laughs> What? Do you Yeah, yeah, Okay, well, okay, put them on an equal level, they're the same height.
2: Uh well that changes everything. That's still Godzilla. So if we're talking like a straight up physical fight, King Kong wins. However, I don't know about that. dude. A straight up physical fight. But he has like have you he ever has seen spikes, like spikes? Okay, he has he a has, tail. <laughs> oh,
0: the dude has dexterity and hands. He's got <laughs> he get maybe jujitsu, he could choke him out. <laughs> Opposable thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> If Godzilla's got T Rex arms, it's game
2: over.
1: <laughs> I'm still so falling for Godzilla. Okay, no, no. All I'm not the saying.
2: Way. I'm not saying that that's who would win. I'm saying strictly physical fight, King Kong would win if they're the same size. If they're the same size, however, Godzilla has his atomic breath thing. He's also got like armor, basically. Bro, even in um, a fist fight, Godzilla got range with the tail. He's gotta, like yeah? Swing but he, it. but the dexterity of like a chim. Dude, you ever see Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes 2,
1: 3. Dude, I think they, they both move at the a, a similar speed. Let's just look at the, let, let's watch a trailer. I already know, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen in the movie. It's not going to be any type of creative, divisive writing. They're going to fight, fight, fight. And at the very end, Mecha Godzilla is going to be the main bad guy and they're going to team up and it's going to cut. And then we're going to wait two more years till another <laughs> basic movie comes out.
0: Okay. I think you're right. But if you are right, I'm mad. That's so annoying. <laughs> I think you're right, though. <laughs>
1: I mean, it just sounds too easy. Too easy.
0: That's doo it's, it's a Godzilla versus King Kong movie. You're not going to expect too he, much. Here's so. my two cents, and I'm just going to say it. It's going to end the conversation because it's completely right. But here we go. We need to watch this. <laughs> Undeniable right here. Oh, is that Kikaita? Watch this. Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Oh, skirt. <laughs> Bro, if See, he pulls that de- move...
1: <laughs> look how dexterous he is.
0: <laughs> oh, round two? Line him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's that Liu Kang bicycle kick yeah, shadow dude. realm shit. <laughs>
1: Dude, see, the other thing is, is Kong is quite literally the biggest simp. In <laughs> every true. movie, he loses to some tiny blonde girl from New York,
0: you know? Okay, they did the math because people were like, bro, even if he, like, got the girl to love him, like, how is that supposed to work? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and apparently, the larger the primate, the smaller the testicles and oh genitalia gosh. are. So, if you... I I don't know. That makes sense. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) So if you, I don't know how you're going to do this, but like if you get to peek at like a silverback gorilla's goods, it's like less than an inch long, bro. And the Uh, balls are tiny little shriveled raisins. Like dingleberries. (laughs) So, I mean, technically Godzilla might, it might be physically Godzilla doesn't care about girls,
1: boobies, uh, children. He'll murder anybody. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to watch this damn trailer. Like he has a uh, <laughs> King Kong has a conscience
2: and that doesn't matter in a fight. No, it doesn't. But he also probably gets the help of the people because of that. Yeah. Also Godzilla has a big team. He comes from a,
1: a universe of monsters. King He's Kong's- also
2: definitely fought bigger monsters. Mm-hmm. So he has experience on his side. He deals with flying monsters, three-headed dragons, but also King Kong lived on Skull Island for a yeah. minute. have you seen? There's Skull fighting, fighting natives, T Rexes, fighting bro? natives. There that? was like
0: big bugs and things.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That part's terrifying, dude. <laughs> there was, and <laughs> the there chef? was dinosaurs. My yeah. homie, the chef, gets like, like that big like, that, like centipede like, on his head. <laughs> Just gets sucked off his dude, head. <laughs> number one movie death scene. <laughs> um, play this trailer.
0: All right, play.
2: This is our only
0: chance. I will say they do mess with the scale of King Kong. Because in some, he's like 70 feet tall, and in this, he's like 500 feet tall.
1: That's every movie nowadays. Just how cool. can we make this bigger? Kong. The world needs that dude's
0: brother played it. Yeah,
2: dude.
1: Oh, that makes sense. That's Hawaii.
0: She's the only one That's who your cousin. <laughs> I know that they had a bond. They're using a small I girl. some call. white girl from the suburbs. I to her. Who can somehow communicate with them. Way- it's like when a Tongan falls in love with a white girl at BYUH. <laughs> Bro. Yeah, King Kong. Kong's doing swim.
1: that.
0: It's Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> they definitely beefed up his arms.
2: True, true.
1: Uh Godzilla never had T-Rex arms.
2: Is this Limp Biscuit? Okay, so here's the thing. This is not the first time that King Kong and Godzilla have fought before in a movie. But they might like be forgetting that in canon. King Kong lost the last time, which is why he will probably win this time.
0: Bro, that's gonna start riots, dog. (laughs) Just saying. Mm. This this country better be ready. That's all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Last year year was hard enough. Stand (laughs) back and stand by.
2: Oh shit.
1: (laughs) You know who is King Kong is a proud boy. (laughs) (laughs) You know who is the biggest Godzilla fan? Probably the biggest Godzilla fan I know. Bubba.
2: Gr- growing hey. up, Bubba had all
1: the action figures. Literally the
0: biggest too. I hey. Dude, I did too. <laughs> I he did
1: too. Even that one. Oh. Huh, so so we finna watch this one. Then? one. No. <laughs> oh,
0: exactly. but the one before that, yeah. Where, Where he's still, oh the flying kid. <laughs> I knew that move. Uh, I used to watch this when I was little. Dude, here's here's my final thought. I don't care. Okay, it's like the royal family. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but I will. It will. I'll probably see it. So.
2: you guys you're saying kong i think that kong wins because he lost last time and you're saying
0: they don't actually fight they team up against something bigger at the very end you're probably right though like to be honest you probably are right you know one of them is going to be like almost dead so who do you think is like dominating the other one before they like see the big thing and they look at each other and they unspoken like we got to team up, son.
1: Yeah, realistically, probably Kong. It, it looked like it was in the U.S. where they were fighting. He got home field advantage. <laughs> but Kong's not
0: from the U.S., dog. Was the n not like
1: Tokyo?
0: Yeah, he was... is. That Skull forest, Island? That,
1: yeah, that, that Skull Island is Hawaii, dude. okay. <laughs> so are we a part of the U.S. <laughs> or not? You dude. tell me.
0: DJ's little, little brother, I, baby, is here for his birthday. <laughs> and Kevin said something like... Like, welcome to the real U.S. or something like that. And I was like, bro, you're rude. <laughs> and I don't stand for that. And it's gross. So,
1: I'm oh, sorry. yeah.
2: <laughs> like, Kong moves to New York. It's true. I don't even, I don't he know. He definitely relocated Just to a small town
0: boy. <laughs> He's a freaking hipster now. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Only the importance. I'm very un- un- unenthused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad we wasted <laughs> your guys' time. <laughs> cool. Bro, this uh, this weekend has been crazy. <gasps> why? My body's sore. Ooh, why are you sore? So yesterday we, uh, we went with... We talked about this. We went with Dan out to the Utah West Desert. And he has been wanting to take us to the cave. And if you haven't listened to the episode, I think it's like 38 Newbury House. It's where we first talk about the cave. And it was fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's talk about it. Well, just to give as much context as we can, Sean had an employee. Nope, Sean had a coworker. Yeah. Who when he found out, Sean was a part of a scary stories podcast was like oh bro you gotta talk to this guy got into contact with him and so Sean's been the main point of contact right yeah and you've shared several stories over several episodes of different occurrences that have happened at a youth rehabilitation camp out in the west desert yeah and one of the most infamous stories we went to the location of yesterday and like DJ said I thought it was super fun (laughs) but also super taxing what do you guys think (laughs)
2: I think that that's a, an accurate diagnosis of which is what I can only say for it because it was a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> so uh, Dan reached out to us and said, "Hey guys, I'm going to be in Utah.
0: I want to take you out there." And I'm not going to lie; like I can say now, Dan's a, Dan's an awesome dude. But at the time, I was like, "We don't know this guy. Like <laughs> I don't know if he's the guy who." You I know, mean, we all felt that. That's- yeah. I was the one who said he could
1: be taking us out there to make another story out of us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so there was like, how are we going to coordinate this? How are we going to do this? We decided on let's meet at a Maverick. Yep. Out.
1: Adventures first stop. There you go. Oh, so <laughs> we were,
0: yeah, using it to its truest potential. And we started the journey there in the morning. Yeah. Or, well, it was like noon. It was noon. <laughs> yeah. And we thought, you know, we're going to have great weather. It's going to be beautiful negative it was a storm snowstorm <laughs> so we we ride in different cars dan and his us and ours and uh we start driving like 45 minutes out to the west desert pretty quickly turn off a main road and we're on dirt road and we were on that going left right left and at one point i was like bro where the hell are we going <laughs> <laughs> we're driving out there we turn off the main road which at this point is like some shabby dirt road Yep. And start riding up this dirt road up into the mountains. DJ has to turn it into four wheel drive. <laughs> it's getting hairy. We
1: passed like a compound of oh, houses. Oh, yeah. That with was weird creepy, dude. stadium lighting. Yeah. <laughs> that was just strange. But
0: if you, what it made me think of is, you know, those nuke towns they set up to like oh, blow up? Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. I didn't think of that. I, I just didn't thought see of anyone out there.
1: I thought of polygamous immediately because the what houses I of. were huge.
0: Like 12 cars, 12 car garages out there.
2: Yeah, dude. That's what I was thinking as well.
0: <laughs> we also passed like a dilapidated, abandoned like, sheep farm. Yeah. That was straight out of a scary movie.
2: It did look pretty creepy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we get up into the mountains. We all get out of our car. We like meet Dan officially, and he gives us a rundown and just refreshes the memory of anyone who doesn't
2: know like mm. why we're here. And it all became way more real. (laughs) (laughs) And then we started hiking off into this snowstorm off trail, just down the mountain into this ravine, trying to get to the location of that story, which was a cave up in the mountains there. I will say Dan said, you know, 10, 15 minute hike. And we're all like,
0: oh, dude, I was ready for like a half day trek. Well, it was a half day trek. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, Mallory DJ's girlfriend is like, "Uh, "We've been hiking for two hours (laughs) and we were not there yet. We weren't even
1: that like close to where we were supposed to be." Yeah. Well, so aside from the unknown and us not bringing water and snacks and the snowstorm and it's supposed to be a ten minute hike, it was fun.
0: (laughs) Dude, I had legitimate fun though. This for me, it was the first time we visited a place of a scary story that we that didn't come from us. I don't know. I felt. On guard the whole time, because of the nature of the story, too. Yeah. We're bushwhacking. We're literally crawling under some trees. no
2: trail. No trail. (laughs) And, like, all of the trees had snow on them, too. So, as we're, like, hitting each branch, it's flipping snow back at the person behind us. (laughs) It was wild. And
0: then we see it off in the distance. Dan points to it. Says, there it is. You yeah. just got to make it up that way. And once we could see the terrain exactly where it was, he was like, okay, hey, remember in the story when I said we came up this way, pointed where they came up? Yeah. We got chased down this way. It was just crazy to, like, be there. Uh, but we knew we had to get there, and it was, I don't know, 300 yards straight up a hill, like a steep,
2: snowy yeah, hill. Like getting to it from where we were at at one point was, it was pretty gnarly in the snow. <laughs> and it was hella foggy the whole time too so once we got up close like we we were able to see it from down in the valley a little bit and then we start hiking up to it and it disappears because the fog just set in and we're like i guess we're going the right way and we just kept like he's we we assumed we knew where it was on the mountain face and just kept going that direction but we couldn't see it anymore so that was kind of creepy as well um quickly our party kind of gets split into two
0: um, there's the normal people like me, DJ Mal walking at a normal pace. And then there's Sean and Dan who are just sprinting <laughs> up
1: this mountain. We're also with one of Kevin's friends who was in the coast guard, but was like in the Navy seals of the coast guard. So he's wearing like a Canadian tux. Like <laughs> that all denim hitter. Not even like a like hiking gear. Like <laughs> I think he had like cowboy boots on. Yeah. I think he was trying to show up at some line dance thing, but he was like hands in pocket the whole time. Just. Walking the park Trekking. up this like steep hill. I'm like, what is wrong with me?
0: But like, Sean and Dan disappear into the fog. It's this last huge hill. So they're gone. And then we're walking, and all of a sudden I hear beautiful tones. And We get up on the ledge, and Dan is just playing his Indian flute that
1: <laughs> he brought with him that he packed inside of his leather satchel that looked like he made
0: himself. It was dope. Yeah. Do uh, you know the scene in? 1914 1814 what's that movie called 1917 1917? where he comes out of the water and they're just singing and he just like sits down all day that's how i felt (laughs) i just followed the music and let it carry me up the mountain there you
2: go (laughs) but eventually we made it to the cave which was cool the cave was pretty neat it was wild and, like, you can't really tell that it's a cave looking at it from a distance. It looks like it's just like a kind of a rock face on the mountain.
1: Yeah. But we get there. Dan starts making a fire. First of all,
0: like a straight-up bush Craftman. What's the right word?
2: Dude, yeah. That sounds
0: good to that me, sounds right. <laughs> just a professional, man. He,
1: like, puts it up. Especially when he brought out the lighter to light the fire. Bro, no, no. No. No, he went straight to the trees, grabbed all the branches, breaking all of it. He was like... <laughs> <and> <laughs> He found some sticks or something that he's rubbing together to like make some type of husk yeah. material or fiber. Yeah. So it's easier to light. So he knew what he was doing. And I mean, his background and why he was there originally 15 years ago was for that camp of uh, troubled youth. So he would break them basically, hmm. physically, <laughs> take them through the wilderness. Kind of like he broke us. A little bit. Yeah. I was a troubled youth yesterday. <laughs> But, yeah, he knew what he was doing. He started a fire for us, and we all, all took off our coats and let them dry a little bit and warm up our hands. heard and, the
2: story a little bit better when we were up there
1: yeah he he, he told us he retold the story, <laughs> told a couple more, and at that point, Kevin was dog sitting. Kevin was there, brought the dog that he was sitting, who's like a labradoodle, yeah, 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 and super friendly dog. It took us two and a half hours to get there, I think. Maybe three. Super good dog. Super friendly. Was like running ahead really fast, playing in the snow, and then would come back and wait and check up on all of us, see if we're doing good. Just having as the time as, of its life. Yeah. As soon as we round the corner, I would see us and go run off again and come back, grab treats and whatnot. But we're up there, and Asher, 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 beelines it for the edge of the cave, looking over the valley from where we just hiked up from, and just starts barking. Just like
0: snap. Which is the first time it barked the whole
1: time. Asher did not bark once the whole time we were hiking in two and a half hours.
0: Also, Kevin was like, I rarely,
1: if ever, hear Asher bark. Yeah. And had just like laser-like focus when it
2: ran outside of the cave. This was all made scarier by the fact that when we did see the cave off in the distance, we also noticed this like black something that was close to the cave. That didn't look like it was part of, like, the landscape around it. I didn't notice that. Well, Dan, me, and Sean were staring at it for quite a while, trying to figure out what it was.
0: Dan is way experienced out here. And he's the type of guy that just gives you the feeling, like, he can take care of himself, you know? I would look to him and be like, yo, what's your call? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, He stopped us a couple times and was like, hey, like, this is, just to let you guys know, like, this is pretty intense for me right now. I haven't been back here since he was traumatized. And so... I was looking at him quite a bit of times to like just see Gage how it is if he thought we were in trouble at all. And when Asher did that, you could tell the mood changed. Everyone's like staring, <laughs> and all of us, I'm sure, are like, okay, all a little bit on guard. Is someone following us? Is someone out here? Is something out here? Asher comes back. Kevin gets him, brings him back. He keeps showing us, showing us the different features of the cave, where the altar was, where the faces were painted and carved. He showed us where the pile of bones was and we're getting ready to leave. You know, it's the lightheartedness has been restored. We've had a couple snacks and all of a sudden Asher out of nowhere, this time the opposite side of the cave, which is now the way that we're planning to go home from. Yeah. So (laughs) loses it, starts barking and sprints away out of sight. And all of us were like, (laughs) It's crazy. That happened like maybe
1: 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes later after the first time he did that. And the first time he did that, it was to the right down into the valley. Where we came from. Yep. And like you said, the second time came from where we were going, which was uphill. Yeah. As if, I don't know, maybe if there was something, maybe there were multiple things. Or if it was one thing, it traveled pretty quickly.
0: Well, my legitimate thought was, if I was out here and I was following these people, it's almost nice that the dog alerted to the right side of the cave because now all I have to do is go to the left side and they'll have no idea. Yeah. And I was thinking that, and then Asher beelines it to the left and starts barking. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that might have been it. Yeah.
1: But we put out our fire, put our coats back on. We started back up the mountain. We didn't see anything. It took us maybe 20 more minutes to get to the top, the very top, and we hiked down the back side in like, two to three foot high snow maybe bro yeah (laughs) yeah um which was actually kind of nice yeah it was easier to walk down rather than like loose rocks which was most of the time so like i felt comfortable just like yeah Yeah. going pretty quickly but there are a couple times where it was just ice and we're like sliding down (laughs) and it was kind of fun and then we went down into the main road and then followed the road all the way back to the car we were also kind of racing daylight
2: Yeah, by this time it's like
1: 435-ish. Yeah, in the mountains, winter. When we got back to our car, uh, we were rewarded with a beautiful sunset. Super orange. You could see where the sun was setting, there was like three or four sets of mountain ranges. And you could see the gradients Uh of each of them. Super beautiful. And we just sat
0: there eating snacks, drinking all the water. (laughs) Delicious snacks.
2: Surviving, basically. Yeah.
0: It was a good way. And Dan just kind of said, hey, I want to thank everyone. Like, I would have never come out here alone. Thank you guys for coming with me. In a lot of ways, this has been closure. Because I think in his mind, what happened there in that place was like a monster. You know what I mean? It's like
2: synonymous that both the things were connected.
0: Held so much weight. Mm-hmm. And then going back there and us having a good time and chatting, laughing, kind of like changed his perception of that. Yeah.
1: And... Asher didn't have any other, I guess, problems or didn't bark or anything afterwards, so.
0: It's probably an animal. He was chill the whole time. Could be. Uh, We have a ton of footage of this. Check our Instagram, check our YouTube if you want to see this hike at the 3 a.m.
2: pod. We'll be throwing all that up there. Yeah, so check it out.
0: It was awesome. It was a good time. Even cooler than the hike was getting to sit there and grill Dan, (laughs) and we found out a ton of stuff that like he didn't cover in the emails. Yeah. And we'll have to cover that in a maybe later episode. Maybe have him on. We'll figure it out. But yeah. It was way interesting to hear some of the, the things he's experienced and seen and heard. Right. Yeah. But did you did he tell you guys a lot of stories? Um st- yeah. on the on the walk back when we were on the road, he told us, yeah. He's pointing here. This happened this one time. Oh, one time we were here and da-da-da. And then oh, Doug way. And he told us like 10.
2: Yeah.
1: That's exciting. Yeah. It'll be a first for me. Cause I couldn't keep up
2: <laughs> next yeah. time. He's in town. We'll we'll have to get him on here. Yeah. And what's
0: crazy is Dan's stories to me are some of the funnest ones we've had. Scariest ones. And Dan goes, Oh dude, my friend who was a counselor out here has way scarier stories. <laughs> He'd love to come on and tell you. So it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, His buddy's like a designer for Disney. Or like theme parks everywhere. Theme park designer for Disney. He's like working in Shanghai, Disneyland, stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hopefully we can get them on sometime in the future. It would be be a treat. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Should we
1: get into stories? Yes. So now we roll our 20-sided die. It's been too long since we've played D&D.
2: Really has. It's sad.
1: But highest number goes first. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash 3 a.m.
0: Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on
2: humanity. He was a very knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually.
0: To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. I shook my dice like this.
1: <laughs> Holding it with all fingers.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I hate my life.
1: <laughs> so I'm first, then Charles and Sean. 15, 10,
0: 6. Bro, Sean got so mad when we were teasing about rolling a one last week. <laughs>
2: it's a real thing, dude. You can't mess around with no crits, bro. Shell shocked. Uh, all right, cool. So what was the order? Because I completely forgot. DJ,
1: you, me. Okay. All right. So on the bonus story last week, I took us to Vietnam. So that story came from, like, this tourist website for, <laughs> for Vietnam. <laughs> But it was like a gold mine of stories from Vietnam. So I'll be continuing that trend today. That's how they're trying to attract tourists. Is like
0: we're haunted as hell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they're trying to keep people away.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) not trying to go back to Nam. Um. So remember, with last week's story, there's different districts in the capital. Oh yeah, or, we
0: established it's like Hunger Games. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: And we were in District 7, which was like the mid tier. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like there's
1: some crime, but there's also some, some nice like, places. Nice universities and whatnot.
0: So it's like where Katniss is from. Yeah. No, dude, she was from No, the no, ship, no, she's bro. from like,
1: like district twelve. Twine. That's like the sl- slumdog millionaires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're in district one. Oh. So this is a bougie part of town, you know? I
2: feel bougie. Yeah.
1: Uh
0: dye my hair purple.
1: <laughs> yeah. So give me bangs. <laughs> Here, bustling city, sounds of mopeds and trucks all around. Meet me. You'll find a building that's French colonial style, beautiful, ornate, three stories, big. It's yellow with jade green and ivory trimmings. Every room has a balcony. And this is the Fine Arts Museum of Vietnam. So it has a lot of ancient Buddhist art, sculptures, paintings, drawings, and other pieces of art that relate to the culture there. Before this was the Fine Art Museum, this was home to a Chinese immigrant who moved to Vietnam in the late 1800s. This man's name is Hui Bon Hoa. Hui. So he moves to, at the time, Saigon, because now it's Ho Chi Minh. Mm. Moved to Saigon late 1800s, didn't have a penny. But within a few years, became one of the most wealthiest men in all of Vietnam. Drugs. People don't actually know exactly how he acquired his wealth. Some of the top rumors were he came across some rare art and started trading it, built up his wealth. Rare nose art? Yeah. Um another rumor is that he found some buried treasure. <laughs> but there's no actual like solid evidence to how he acquired his money. Hmm. But by the early 1900s he was dubbed Saigon's king of real estate. So he was a, he had his hand in a lot of things. Real estate, art, even some ties to the government. His assets at one point reached the value of 20,000 houses. In Vietnam, 20,000 houses. Insane. I rent a room
0: (laughs) from my parents' house. (laughs) Um, And you've had more than just a couple of years, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's actually a
1: ton of buildings that are standing today that are fully functional from the time he was around and built, commissioned those buildings to be erected um some of the examples are a four-star hotel famous four-star hotel, one of the hospitals uh the government guest house that I guess esteemed like French officials would take residence in when they were visiting back in the day and then now the uh the Fine Arts Museum uh but that's just a few of them. So this man fathered many sons, all of which actually got to study abroad in Europe but he had one daughter, think she was the youngest, fair, and he was really protective of her. At one point, friends, family, neighbors reported that they weren't seeing the daughter anymore or seeing her less and less. The only response that they were given from the father was that she was ill. After some time, one of the maids reported that while walking through the bottom level, She saw something out of the corner of her eye in the home spiral staircase. And she looks up and in between the railings she notices a young girl. The only girl in the house besides mom. young girl except, quote, she resembled that of a horrid creature. So concerns were raised. And after time, nobody saw the daughter at all.
0: Was she just butt ass ugly? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> concerns were raising even more so. And they, they learned, the maids learned that she's holed up in her bedroom, locked inside, and they were given strict orders to never go in. And when they would bring the daughter food, to deliver it through the little window in the door. So, this daughter, maddened by isolation, you could hear her, her screams throughout the house. People walking by outside the gates on the streets could hear it from the streets. And this went on for days. People had it on record that they heard it for almost a week straight. After a week, the screams lessened. And after a few days, the screams were never heard again. So, what actually happened? was in Vietnam during this time in the early 1900s, the disease and plague of leprosy was running rampant. So apparently the daughter fell victim to leprosy. The story doesn't end at her death. So basically, when she passed away, the father was so distraught over the death of his daughter that he turned her bedroom into a mausoleum he had a stone coffin built in the center of the bedroom, and laid her to rest there. Bad idea. It was rumored that when she was laid in the coffin, she had actually not yet passed <laughs> and died in the cold and dark oh. of the coffin.
0: I love you so much,
1: daughter.
2: <laughs> Please here, now not die. Put the cap on. I her mean, m-
1: giving m- him the benefit of the doubt.
2: <laughs> you know.
0: What else are you you going to
2: do? Firing squad might be better at this point. (laughs)
0: It's like, all right, mom, load up. How many brothers? You said countless brothers. (laughs) Make it a family affair. But no, he's like, you got to die in a stone
2: box. Yeah, Yeah, we're tired of you screaming.
1: (laughs) Try the Uma Thurman punch, one-inch punch. This this rock is a lot harder.
2: (laughs) Just hitting it with nubs at that point. Her leopard love nubs.
1: Uh, One punch, she just turns to dust. (laughs) She's one-punched girl. Okay, Okay, so a year later, after she passed, father ordered one of the maids to leave a dress, a toy, and a bowl of rice on the stone coffin. In or on? On top of the coffin. Okay, Okay. yeah. One of the maids prepares that, places it on the coffin, leaves. A few hours later, the maid's like, all right, I'm going to go clean that up. She returns and to her terror the contents that she left on the coffin were moved she walks closer to it half the bowl of rice was eaten and the coffin had a window
2: a stupid and Go looking
1: ahead. into the window a daughter was wearing the dress and holding the toy that she left <coughs> on the coffin <laughs>
2: Hell no, bro. <laughs> we taking that coffin and putting it in someone else's house, bro. <laughs> Maid's like, a- I quit.
1: <laughs> That's the story of can't remember his name. Li
0: Mu Bai. Li Mu Bai.
2: Hui Yeah.
1: That's the story of Hui Bon Hoa and his daughter. Decrepit creature. <laughs>
2: Ugh. So She's already dead. We don't even need to call her names, bro.
1: Um, if you visit the museum today. Is she still there? There's uh, people have reported that they've seen her walking the halls.
2: But do they see her like as a normal ghost or like a leper ghost?
0: I don't know. You're going to have to go see I haven't for been yourself. to
2: Vietnam yet, so mine as well.
0: <laughs> bro, which island was the leper colony?
1: Yeah, Molokai. Kalaupapa is a city. In Hawaii, all
0: the lepers were sent there to die and rot. Shall leave dresses for them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, any stories about that? Like, is it a separate island?
1: Uh, no. It's well, Molokai is a single island. There's a lot of people who lived on Molokai, but it was one compound. It was like a bay.
0: Yo, this is the second story from Thumbless Woodworker. Hi, I found out why he wants to go by Thumbless Woodworker.
2: <laughs> uh, what?
0: Oh,
1: that looks like an ingrown. <laughs> that's the worst ingrown I've ever. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, you don't like those videos, dude? That's my that's my guilty pleasure. Ugh, sometimes ingrown just, just pleasure <laughs> videos of a. Uh,
2: Pimple popping. Okay, no, no. I was gonna say like
1: ingrown toenails getting pulled out. Uh, oh,
2: those ones are wild.
1: Earwax bro. cleaning, all that, man. Oh
2: damn, bro! I stopped at the pimples. Dude, I,
1: hygiene's nice. It's 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 good to. It always makes rid me yourself feel, of impurities.
2: <laughs> you know, makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, so that's him. <laughs> he cut his thumb off, I think, woodworking. So
2: oh well, that, that makes sense then. Why he would be thumbless yeah. woodworker? I'd give that a big thumbs down.
0: Ah. He uh, tattooed uh, a thumb, a nail.
1: (laughs) That's kind of funny, dude.
0: Thumbs up. Kudos. Thumbs (laughs) thumbs, up. Thumbs up to uh, to that tattoo. I like that.
1: Anyway,
0: all right. So this happened to our friend. Once again, we're in Canada, January, freezing cold, Ontario, tons of snow everywhere. He's in college. And he's paying for his whole education. Now, his school offers parking on campus, but the ticket is $500 a year. So, he's like, I'm not doing that. I will park in the residence near the college, and I will walk every day to school. (laughs) So, it's getting down to final exams. And there's one class he has been struggling in. And it all comes down to this. He has to do super well on this, or he fails and I'll have to repeat it. So... He crams all night, decides I'm going to wake up super early, get there early and do a little cram session before we begin. So he sets out in the morning. It's snowing. The plows are just starting. The berms are super high, like it's bad. Parks his car on the residential and he sees two snow plows down the road. They're they're starting their job and a guy with like a snow blower doing his job. So he Super quickly is walking to class and he kind of gets up level with the guy who's snow blowing, older guy. Pauses snow blowing, takes out a cigarette, lights it, takes one drag, and in the middle of his drag, falls down. Uh. And he didn't just like collapse or crumple. He said he straight body fell back with like zero resistance and hit the ground. Boom! Like Neville. In like
2: Harry Potter, Harry
0: Potter. He said, "Like this." He said, "The nesty plunge is what he called it." Just straight back. Yikes! That's a funny comparison. So you can imagine he's alarmed. Yeah. No one saw this happen. He's the only one. The world is calm. It's you know what I mean. It's just him and this guy. So he sprints over to the guy, and the guy's eyes rolled into the back of his head. He's foaming from the mouth, and he's like having a full-on seizure. And not only that, but the blades from the uh, leaf or the snowblower are like right by his head. So he runs up, grabs the leaf blower. He says he tossed that thing. He chucked it super far. The blades from the leaf blower?
2: The snowblower. Snowblower.
0: Snowblower? Oh. I don't know. That's just what he said. Maybe it was like in the engine or motor or something. I don't know. It's Canada. Who knows what the hell, how they're getting rid of snow up there. (laughs) It's just like a lawnmower engine with knives on the end. (laughs) Anyway, so he does that. He looks at him and the guy's shaking. Stands up. He sees there's two guys on the crew, like on the plow down the road, but no one else. So what would you guys do in this situation?
2: You have to pass this test. Okay. so Sean's... (laughs) Sean's going to...
0: Yeah, right after you grab his wallet.
2: <laughs> you you got to make check his identification. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean's leaving the body.
0: Uh, I'd call it to the two dudes. And that's what he did. Thumbless makes a split second decision, which he l- said he later regrets. Runs to the crew and says, yo, your homie just fell. I need your help. Snow's coming down. It's like piling on his body. So he... Alerts the guys, they shut down their machines, and while they're getting out, he runs back over to the body and pushes him under a truck so he doesn't get completely buried in snow. Um, He steps back, turns out that dude's grandson is, like, one of the plow drivers. Whoa. And he says, call 911 right now, and he does his best to, like, make sure he's comfortable, the guy's shaking, doing all this thing. They call 911, he gets, actually, he calls 911 while the grandson's trying to help him out. He's on the call with the operator telling him where they are. She's saying do this, do that, do this, do that. Finally the police show up. They get to him, pronounce him dead. He had a massive like cardiac arrest. It's not his first either. He had had several in the past, but for some reason it took him right then and there, like right when our friend was right by him. They get a statement, they, you know, that's all we can do and he looks down at his watch and he's like, "Oh shit." He has 10 minutes till the test starts. So he sprints to class, makes it in just in the nick of time. And he says, when he gets in there, people are like, bro, did you hear someone died? Like his, his best friend comes up to him and says, apparently they found a body. Like someone died right right by school. And he goes, yeah, I, I helped that guy, and I pushed him. I helped him die. <laughs> I pushed him under your truck. That dude died under your truck because he knew his friend, and he knew the truck. <laughs> and he's like, you walked to school today, right? And he was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that dude died under your truck. And the guy was like, yo. What? <laughs> yo, good luck on the yeah. test. <laughs> so I don't know how he does it. He steps back. He l- releases all that, takes the test. And he passes. (laughs) And by the skin of his teeth, he passes the class. But he said it was one of the most intense situations he's been in. And reading it, he puts a lot of guilt on himself because he says, I should have called 911 right away. And if I did that, maybe the result would have been different. And so he said, for a long time, he kind of was like really hard on himself. And only recently, he's kind of forgiven himself. But I don't know, man. I don't think he like necessarily did a wrong thing. Like no. I I would have done that too.
1: Dude, that's traumatizing enough, having to push that body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't want to do it alone. It's like if you saw other people, yeah, you'd be like, yo, I need help. You know what I mean? Yeah. That should be part of a haunted house. Just someone. Someone someone dies in
2: front of you.
1: Uh like part of the experience is like you are trying to save somebody. Mm, But like they're one of they're one of the actors, so they're like. They got no leg or
0: something. And you're like trying to help them.
1: Or you're both dead. That would I be scary. Know,
0: that would be scary. I read this and the only thing I could think was uh smoking really does kill, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not cool. Just did the <laughs> nasty <laughs> plunge from that Marlboro, bro. Yeah, yeah. But just wild. Like put yourself in that situation, that'd be pretty crazy. Oh Yo, yeah. Shout out Thunless, bro. Shout out. Hope you're doing well. All right, my next one. This one comes from another listener. Her name is The Nuclear Abbey. Super nice. She said really kind things about the podcast. So she grew up in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. Mm. I have no idea. The only time I've been to Pennsylvania, I was just blown away by how many trees there were. Like I did not realize that. For some reason, I never pictured it to be so many trees. Her town's kind of a less populated one. There's a lot of back roads. A lot of people commute to school and like some of them, a lot of them walk to school, things like that. Um, It's not like a metropolis at all. It's a smaller town. Mm. So she, all her friends have done this commute. They leave their homes. They go a couple miles to school. She's actually on, not a vacation. What is that called? Holiday. No. Like with your school, you go out. Field Field trip. trip. (laughs) She's like on a field trip or a high school choir field trip. They're all getting ready, doing their things, and all of a sudden all their phones start going, mmm, mm, da-da-ding, mm, Everyone's phone starts going off. They all pull out their phone and they start looking down and they're all getting the same text. On the way to school, one of their classmates found on the side of the road, and this is the same road that most of them take, a severed human
2: head. Okay.
0: Casual. She said she remembers it happening. Everyone looking around and like in complete shock, like one of our classmates found a human head on the side of the road. And the story of that head I will be going into for our patrons. (laughs) If you want to know more, go to patreon.com slash the 3am pod $2 a month. You get bonus stories every week and more sometimes, but not all the time. Uh, so for our patrons, head over to the bonus episode. For one out everyone else, we will be back shortly. Okay, so the story is a 14-year-old boy to 14. All right, we're back.
2: All right, that's it, me now. Oh. Do you want to severed, say something?
0: Severed
1: your ties. Body parts. Oh. <laughs> I can't
0: believe it. <gasps> My balls hurt. <laughs> My red balls hurt. <laughs> if you listen to the bonus episode, you'll know what you'll the hell we're talking, what we're talking about. <laughs> cool. Anyway, that's me tonight. Sean, All you right, up.
2: That's me now. So my story comes from the one, the only, Dan Smith. Oh. Wait, are you talking West Desert Dan? West Desert Dan.
1: Dirty Dan.
2: <laughs> the guy we just met yesterday. And had the opportunity to go out into the West Desert exploring with. So he sent us several different stories. This is one of the ones that he's submitted to our uh, website. So a little bit about Dan. And you you heard a little bit just about like asking where he was from and stuff like that. He kind of grew up a little bit of all over the place. He mentioned while we were out there hiking, he was in scouts, stuff like that. So this story... Happens shortly after he moves from Utah to California, and he's the new kid there. Now, growing up though, he and he didn't mention this while we were out there with him, but growing up, he used to get like these really bad migraines. And usually, he would be able to tell he was going to get the migraine before it happened 20, 30 minutes before it happened. He would start to get like this fuzzy feeling where like his vision would start to blur up a little bit. He said it almost felt like his vision was like a lava lamp. Like it would be dark in some areas and light in other areas, and it would just be kind of like, you know, know, you've seen the lava lamps. Like it would be just floating across his vision, basically. Hmm. Not only that, but along with migraines, he would also experience sleep paralysis growing up. So I personally don't have any experiences with this, but the sleep paralysis that he said that he would have, it happened for years. And it's kind of tapered off a little bit. But he usually would be able to just rip himself out of an episode at the very beginning. You've never had it. You don't know what that experience is like, dude. Mm -mm.
0: It is so intense because you're like straining with every bit of strength you can muster. And when you finally get it, it's like... It's like coming up for breath, like out of water. It's crazy. It
1: feels like when Harry's like pulling himself out of the Dementor, like eating him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's like soul sucking.
2: You're like everything you got. You're like crying crying almost. (laughs) So he said after he would like rip himself out of this sleep paralysis right before it would happen, though, he would have to like get up. He would have to do something, take a cold shower or something. Along with that, he says he also has chronic insomnia. So it's difficult for him to fall asleep as well damn dan i'm sorry bro yeah like we're finding all this stuff after after we just had the chance to meet him and on top of that he has been able to lucid dream as well dope and he said he's never intentionally and or knowingly astral projected but has accidentally as well in his past now he mentions all of this as it's kind of applicable to one experience that happened to him when he was about 14 years old, after he moved from Utah to California and he was kind of the new kid in the scout group that he was in. And one day the scout group is headed out to go camping. And he said it's about four or five hours away up North in the Sierra Nevadas from where he was living there in California. Now, he also mentioned that he uh, he didn't like, like packing a tent either. First of all, he says he didn't want to put it up and didn't want to have to carry it with him. <laughs> but so instead, he would just like roll up a tarp so that he could like throw it out on the ground and just sleep in, under the stars whenever they went camping.
1: Yeah, I've heard that shelter is like lower on the list of needs for survival <laughs> yeah. and human existence.
2: This is also like weird hearing this after like knowing Dan. Because he was like survivor man out there just starting that fire. Yeah. Just like getting all the wood pre- pre- prepped, yeah. and it's so easy and like then explaining the plants to us. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's saying though that he would essentially just roll up a tarp so he could pack it and then lay it out on the ground. Now, they drive the four to five hours up into the Sierra Nevadas. Bro, he probably came up near where I live. Probably because he was, he lived like down by Barstow or something like that. Mm -hmm. Now he said, as soon as he stepped out of the suburban, once they got to where they were going, he started to get that migraine aura. Mm. And he says, in retrospect, that may have just been some altitude sickness setting in, but at this point it was very vaguely similar to the uh, migraine aura that he would feel 30 minutes before getting a big migraine. Now they had left a little bit late. So they were getting here and it was kind of starting to get dark. So everyone's starting to set up all their tents and everything like that. And he recognizing that he's going to get a migraine here pretty quick from what he knows, just lays out his tarp, lays out his sleeping bag and just climbs right into a sleeping bag. <laughs> now. He said about half of the other Boy Scouts were there setting up their tents or like attempting to set up their tents and eventually giving up and doing the same thing he was doing, just laying a tarp out on the ground. <laughs> but he just—these Scouts suck, dog. <laughs> Bro, that's like step two of Scouts is like learn to uh, uh, set up your tent. <laughs> just kidding. So Dan has just set out his stuff, climbed into his sleeping bag, and he's just laying there, knowing that this bad headache is going to happen here pretty quickly. Now, most of the other kids, 14, 15, 16 years old, as he's laying there, they make this fire. They're uh, 20 yards away, maybe. And then they started just like telling stories, eventually getting to even scary stories. And he says that one of the kids, as he's about to tell his scary story, kind of stops. And he says, is anyone still awake? Calling out to the rest of the people. And a couple of them are like, yeah, I'm still awake, still listening. And Dan, as he's about to say, yeah, I'm still awake, realizes that as he was paying so much attention to this migraine that was about to happen, had fallen asleep, but he couldn't move. He'd fallen into this sleep paralysis. Now, he's trying to force himself out of this sleep paralysis, and his eyes are just barely open, so he can still see, like, the moon and, like, the stars, but everything is kind of splotchy in his vision and then moving around, kind of like that lava lamp that he described already. Now, the pause before this kid starts telling his other story, in his vision, he's, like, not looking for the bright spots of, like, what he can see, like the moon and stuff like that. He's now looking in the dark spots of his vision And as he looks into these dark spots, he sees dark shadows and darker shadows. And he describes them as the very same ones he would see when he would experience that sleep paralysis, say, in his bedroom. The ones that would be just outside of his field of vision or standing in the corner of the room or something like that. But now you're in the woods. Oh, gosh. Now you're in the woods. And you can't really see... The other kids at the fire, all you can see is like this half vision that's kind of floating around and they're just standing there in the shadows.
1: Dude, I'm lucky enough to have all of my sleep paralysis in the comfort of my own home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've never gone abroad with my sleep paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Besides
2: Australia, I guess. But I was still in my mean, Now he said, this time though, they were a little different. So wherever the splotches of light passed over the shadows, he could see just vague forms like always. But if he focused on where the light wasn't, like on the part of the lava lamp that was dimmer, he could clearly see the actual defined figures. And they had large, dark eyes, wore black robes that were open at the chest and the arms, and their skin was completely absorbed of light. So he said he could only really describe it as like the YouTube videos where, you know, someone paints something with like the ultra black or like Vantablack. the Vanta black. So it's like absent of light. No shadow or tone to their skin, only the dim shine or the glisten or the moisture of the eyes. They were recognizably human in shape with just the super Vanta black skin. Now, aside from the blackness of them, wherever the light condensed in his migraine vision, the shadowy version of the figures looked like they were standing right side up. But. Where it was dark, he could see the figures clearly as they were inverted, somehow upside down. So as he's laying on his back, he sees like unclear, like almost like you're looking through like that glass frame, standing straight up. And then in the other darker ver- parts of his vision, they were upside down, just like super clear. Hmm. Like so a reflection? Almost, yeah. He said that later in school when he took physics, They actually talked about light and vision and focus and refraction and all that. And it it seemed like he was almost looking through like a lens Hmm. that made the image that was upside down more clear.
1: What's the term? Something
2: obscura? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something. Something. It is something. (laughs) Something, dude. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, one of the figures bent right over his face, blocking out almost all of the moonlight. Ugh. And as soon as the light was blotted out, the image then shifted. So it was this fuzzy version that bent over his face, and then all of the light went away. And his image shifted from standing on my like right side up, all fuzzy, to then hovering over his face upside down, just super clear, just bent backwards staring at him. And then it opened its mouth to try almost like To communicate with him, he said, but all he could hear was this low hiss, just this hissing sound that was coming out of this mouth with occasional pauses, like someone like tapping like a rhythm or something. The figure then stopped and waited as if it was like expecting him to reply. And all he could do was just lay there and watch it happen fighting the whole time to move or to blink to somehow get out of this sleep paralysis. Now, this took only a few seconds. And he says it all seemed to happen in between the time when the guy asked at the fire, is anyone else awake? And before resuming his story. Mm. So the guy then started telling his story again. And as he made another huge effort, as Dan made another huge effort to get out, he broke the sleep paralysis and yelled, I'm awake as the guy had already started his story. He's like, let's like, shut
1: up, go to sleep. Thanks, Dan.
2: <laughs> the other guys who were still up started laughing kind of nervously. Like, uh, one of them said, even you scared the, you scared the crap out of us. Yeah. This 14 year old, uh, bro, that was scary, man. Yeah. You should have just answered us the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so after a brief pause, he started telling his story again, which Dan mentions was really not that scary. <laughs> and as he finishes up they call over to him and they say hey Dan do you have any scary stories <laughs> it's like i'm living it <laughs> <laughs> and i obviously not trying to like put more of a spotlight on himself at this point says no he couldn't fall asleep the rest of the night like oh. he wasn't going to try to either that was all that happened to him that night and he said he didn't really feel like he slept the rest of the week either mentioned he did have like all this also this insomnia problem but the last thing he mentioned in his story that he sent in was the fishing was good, though. okay. You know, just trying to well, make it light go. there.
0: Yeah. Priorities, you know.
2: <laughs> but that's Dan's experience that kind of meshed all of those things together. Like, his migraine started, it ended up with the sleep paralysis, and Ugh. all while he was out there camping. Got too close.
0: Similar thing kind of happened to us in the car home yesterday when we were coming back from the cave. I'm, like, sitting there in the car. And baby's asleep. And then all of a sudden he goes, what What was that? Did you pour something? <laughs> and just randomly says something to me. And DJ goes, you're asleep, baby. Go back to sleep. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Do you remember that at all? What? He was asleep, dude. Do you remember that? Wait, what did I say? I can't remember exactly. Said but like, did you pour something? <laughs> did you pour the cup? Did you move the cup? Oh. I was having like a dream, I'm pretty sure. And then About what? Uh nothing. <laughs> About what? Nothing. Okay. All of a sudden I just look over and like out of sleep he's like,
2: Did you move the cup? And I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> there was only one cup though, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, the two girls over there did
0: <laughs> That's crazy.
2: Uh I've oh.
0: never had a sleep paralysis on that level, nor do I want one. <laughs>
2: The whole, like, scary thing to me, too, is how it tried to interact with him. Hmm. Like, I know we've heard, like, stories of where something's tried to interact with you while you're in sleep paralysis. I actually should have mentioned he said that the figures that he would see in sleep paralysis, like, in his bedroom would even try and, like, grab him by his leg and stuff like that. But, oh. like, all throughout his, like, childhood growing up, he would experience these types of things. Oh, geez. That'd be rough.
0: Yeah. I, I treat my sleep pretty serious nowadays, so I can't imagine.
2: <laughs> For real. I'm sitting there with the earplugs, the the eye mask on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Got my humidifier. Even, even got if I do wake noise. up and not be able to move, I don't care because I can't see shit. <laughs> True.
0: <laughs>
1: Should have built that tent.
2: <laughs> Dude, but then you're all alone in the tent with the things. Oh, I don't know. Crazy. Not ideal. I'll say that. Yeah, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> Big nope for me.
1: There's more stories from Dan, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think I already said it. I can't remember because uh, it's getting late. But he was just like, dude, my homie who was a counselor here, he has way scary stories. So he did share that. Yeah. I can't even imagine what he's going to. So we're going to do our best to get him and his friend either here or to call in. Yeah. We have a new piece of equipment. We can have people call in and it's a bit better. But I'm excited. Should be good. Yeah. Same. Thanks for that, Dan. Yeah. Thank you. Shout out. Thank you, everyone who sent in their
1: stories. Keep yeah, coming. Super entertaining. People almost always send pictures now or links to articles, just other things to bring this story to life. So thank oh. you for all of your effort.
0: Yeah. And on our IG all the time, we're like, hey, I saw this article. I saw this thing. I thought I thought you guys should see it. Even if we don't always respond, we definitely appreciate all of them. Oh, 100%. They help help us put together a better show. So keep it coming. If you guys feel inclined, give us a like on social medias. Give us a follow. Message us. We appreciate all the interactions. So that's uh, everywhere is the 3AM pod. So go check it out. And it? with that, let's close up. Let's get out of here. <laughs> it's supposed to be a short episode. <laughs> we always do this. Uh, until next time, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be
1: careful
2: out there. Bye. If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you.
1: I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story a production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. You can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com.